It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. It's the final midweek edition of the season as Connacht will be playing their last game on Friday evening against the Ospreys. And on this week's edition, we've got uh, William Davis. Good evening, Alan. Good evening, Dave. And Dave Finn. Yes, as William got there in front of me. <laughs> Greetings. Greetings, everyone. Good to be back. Not star, as we say. Exactly, and that's 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 why we bring Dave in for these Welsh games. Exactly. <laughs> okay, before we get talking to the lads, let's hear some of the highlights of the press conference today, which was really almost like two press conferences because the first half of the press conference was Bundyaki and everybody interested in his his Lions selection. So actually, we've put that one out already as a as a mini podcast. Um, it's out there on our social media site so you can go and pick us up on that craggy rugby pod and you can you can find that one and then the second part was andy friend talking about the game at the weekend so here's some of the highlights give me some sense how excited are you to be selected for the british and irish lions it's it's, it's huge news uh yeah it is huge and it's it's a big uh honor to be able to see you selected in the lions um proud to be representing um, Connacht, um, as well as my family, as well as Ireland, so um, won't be taking anything lightly about it. It's obviously, like you said, it's a huge honour, and I, I definitely take it with uh, um, both hands anyway. And how exciting is it to take your your partnership with Robbie Henshaw? It started at Connacht, it, it went into it's obviously at Ireland. Now you're taking it to the Lions, potential to uh, to play together. That's is that something that resonates with you? It's always good to have uh, a guy that you've known for a very long time um, to be able to be there. Um, I know Robin's a world-class player at the moment. He's playing unbelievable rugby. And to be able to know that uh, he's been around the Lions tour before and he knows what it's like. And I'll be able to just feed off him and be able to learn um, just as much as I do with him in um, Ireland Cup. Watching you play together, there seems to be a... Uh, an understanding uh, that that's almost telepathic. It's it's almost like you know what he's going to do, and he knows what you're what you're going to do. It. Do you get that feeling when you're on the pitch? Yeah, I, I think that's the good thing about it. Like even playing with alongside of all of our other midfielders in Ireland, um, you know, they make a big emphasis of being able to have the cohesiveness as a group and as a team. Um, and the good thing about playing alongside some of these players is that. We know each other inside out so much that, you know, we can go, you know, as much as we know the family, like I know fam- uh, Robbie's family very well. And, um, you know, the things that we talk about, you know, it's not just always about rugby. Um, we can do things off the pitch, which is, you know, going out on Robbie's boat and just doing that or playing a bit of music together, chilling together, having a coffee, just having a normal chit chat like anyone else would. Um, you know, you've got to take time when you're with, uh your partnerships or your friends that they'll take time off rugby and just be able to just hang out as friends and be able to know each other a bit more than rugby because at the end of the day when you be able to when you put on a shirt together as a group and you know somebody that well in, in a team you can trust them you know going into the game whatever he does you can trust them you have you know each other so well that um, when something happens you know what he's going to do and it's just an in- instinct and a, and a reaction to it so um, it's good to have. Saturday night, uh, another inconsistent performance topped off with a, a bad-looking injury and a, and, a, and a red card. How have you reviewed that now as you get ready for the last game of the season? 
yeah, it, it wasn't pretty, was it? Um, oh, listen, it's you know, it started with that 32 seconds in with the frustration or the, the injury to Dennis, uh, the disappointment for him. Um, and then, yeah, it finished the other end of it with a lot of poor footy in the middle of it um, with Abraham's red card. So uh, just a, a really frustrating night at the office, William. We, we, we reviewed it like we do other games. We talked about the areas that had let us down. We also talked about the areas that I thought were good, namely our, I thought our more um, attack and defence was good. I thought our line-out was good. I thought defensively we were good, but that's where it finished. Um, Attack-wise, we had way too many turnovers and errors. And, uh, uh, yeah, we needed to be much, much better. And, and how do you set up now for Friday as a game that it means fair bit to the Ospreys. They they need they need to win this to to stay in contention for top spot Connacht. Is there a da- is there a danger that it's just you have to fulfil the fixture or do you have to really put the boot down? Especially as it's another home game and home form has been a bit of an issue. Yeah, I think it's a great test of where we're at, to be honest with you, William. Um, it, the easy thing would be to say, well, it doesn't mean anything, but we've actually addressed that on the Monday. It means a hell of a lot because it's another opportunity for us um, to go out and represent our province and, and to put out a, a performance that we're proud with, proud of. And we certainly weren't proud of the one on, on Saturday night. So um, they're easy things to say. Uh, we'll, we'll hopefully sit there after the game on Friday night and say, um, yeah, well, we did that. We showed that tonight and there was a lot of pride in the jersey and it, and it was a good performance. So that's certainly what we're chasing. And, and I do believe we've, uh, we've got a squad that can go and do that. And for the full press conference with all the questions that went to Bundy that we're able to put up and Andy all in one go, you can go to our Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash Rugby to hear the full press conference. You might have to pay a couple of bob for that, but hopefully you won't mind. You know, this all this takes work, this information that we get and all this takes a little bit of work. So if you don't mind giving us a, the price of a cup of coffee a, a month, we'd appreciate it. So we'll go straight into the big part of the press conference, which was the first part. And... Bundyaki, William, he was really engaging today and very focused, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he, abs- he absolutely was. He doesn't do a media very often. Um, I, th- I thought he was very interesting as well. He spoke really well about what this selection means to him uh, and his family, and that's his family here and his family in, in New Zealand. And just... I suppose it's 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 a mark of where he is in his career at 31, and he's well aware that this is a big honour, and he's going to give it his best shot. But he's also going to, I think, maybe to learn a bit from it. I, I, that's why I asked him that question about what are you going to get out of this, um, in terms of meeting up with different coaches, playing with players who are your opponents most of the time, which is the whole thing about the Lions tour, the whole oddity of it. He seems really, really ready for it. And I I just thought it was very, very interesting what he, what, what he said throughout. And I think he also understands that it's a big deal for Connacht. Yeah. I was going to say that to you. I think it's, I think it's huge when you think about, they get the ultimate treatment because it's seen as the ultimate prize for a player on, from these islands who's playing rugby in these islands, who's eligible to play for a country in these islands. It's going to be fascinating to see how, how he reacts to, you know, being in that environment. Yeah. And I think it's the intensity of it. It has changed a little bit, but back in the amateur days, um, 
Uh, I've spoken to Gerald Davis about it a couple of times in his role at, 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 at in pro rugby, that it was the only chance that amateur players got to be professionals because they went off for, for months at a time to South Africa or New Zealand. There was only the two places really, although Australia was added when amateur rugby was, was still, still around. And you got to play and train every day which was something that they didn't have. They still, no matter how hard they trained, they had to go to work and do their, their normal nine to five or case of many of the Welsh players, some of them had to go down the pit at four in the morning or six in the morning. It, it was different. But I still think it's, it's, it's an interesting concept. I'm not sure how this tour is going to work without fans and without fans traveling from this part of the world. I was fortunate enough to go to South Africa in 2009 for the Lions tour. I was only there for one game and a test match, but it was fascinating to meet people for whom their whole rugby existence is based around Lions tours. They come home. These were mostly Welsh people. They come home and they start saving the first week they're back and all they're doing is saving for the next Lions tour. They don't follow, they don't go to watch Wales, they don't go to watch a local team, every spare penny, and then they take off to South Africa, or New Zealand, or Australia, and they are really dedicated to it. They are, and, and uh, when I met them back in, in New Zealand, I was, was one of the highlights of my rugby career was to, uh, rugby career, my rugby following was was sitting in, in Eden Park for the 2005 Lions. Now, the highlight was the kickoff. <laughs> Everything after that was a bit of a disaster, as everyone knows from that tour. But that tour was amazing. And, and just the fans and the whole way people interacted with one another and, you know, the way the, the people from the different countries interacted with one another. It was incredible to see everybody shouting for the same players and players that you would normally despise because you didn't like playing against them. You were suddenly cheering for and, and you wanted them to do well and you were you're looking after them. And it was, it's an incredible, it's, it's an incredible uh, team. It's a, no, I can't think of a word that I want to put for it. It's a, it's a situation where you have fellas playing at the top of their game have another level to go to. I think Bundy referenced it a couple of times today that there's another level that you can go to in in our rugby that they don't get in, in New Zealand or anywhere else for that matter. Um, and it's just fascinating to, as you say, I'm not that keen on this one because there's no fans because it should be part of it. But the game has become so professional, I suppose it's, it's just part of it. I'm sure the fans are going to follow it no matter what. Um, but how the players are going to survive down there for eight or ten weeks not be able to move very far, I'm assuming, is <laughs> going to be really no. interesting. No, they're going to be they're going to be in bubbles. It's going to be very tough and very different. Um, but I suppose that they've got good at that. It's also interesting to discuss with the Robbie Henshaw thing. It's obvious they are very, very close. And he talked about the interaction between their families. They are joined at the hip. You can see it when they're playing. I, you know, I said it to him. It's almost like you know what he, you know what the other player is going to do, and they trust each other implicitly, and that is must be in Warren Gatlin's mind. If these guys can stay fit, play well, I need partnerships. I need players so that I, I've got a. He's got a very short time to make all this work, mm. and if you you can pick your centers and say. That's my centre partnership, or it's my starting centre partnership. He might look at different options to bring players through off the bench during games. But I think you'll see them early. 
Uh, I would hope against Japan on the 26th of June in Murrayfield as a starting point and, and go from there. And, um, yeah, because it's, 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 they are two incredibly tough, hard players, and that's what you're going to need in South Africa. Yes. <laughs> and I, I haven't watched a huge amount of the South African uh, uh, Rainbow Cup rugby, but there's a bit of a shock coming next season in if 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 the pro 16 season involves south african teams from the start then particularly at altitude uh the likes of uh, going to johannesburg going to pretoria they throw the ball around a fair bit but they hit very very hard it's it's very physical fast moving rugby and the lions are going to get the they know what's ahead of them i mean they they've been planning it for long enough Exactly, um, and Warren Gatlin has been there for so many times, and he's he's looking to get that one victory he needs to finish off the the triple crown of having won in all. Or well, he didn't lose in New Zealand, but um, not losing in New Zealand, beating Australia, and now trying to trying to beat South Africa. Okay, and I, I think, think he might be. I think he might be around for the next one. I don't. I wouldn't put quite, that past. Him, I quite think. possible. Quite possible. Yeah. Quite possible. Okay, what we'll do is we'll. We'll we'll probably do a podcast or two during the summer on this because we do have interest there with Bundy and Robbie because I know some people don't like the fact that you know Robbie Henshaw doesn't play for us anymore but he he learned his rugby in in Connock so we're still going to have a we're still going to claim him in some way shape or form so let's get back to the to the game so Dave we didn't hear what you thought about the game at the weekend which we don't really want to spend too much time on but talking about physicality um, the physicality of of um, Abraham Papalihi was slightly in the wrong place at the weekend and he's, he's ended up with another red card what was your feeling on that whole scenario um, there's two there's two separate issues did Abraham Papalihi tackle too high the answer is probably yes did the referee get it wrong the answer is definitely yes. And the referee got it wrong in exactly by, by saying one thing spectacularly, completely at odds with the pictures. And he said there was no significant drop in height. And just before, they looked at an angle for five, for a solid five minutes where you could see the Benetton player, his legs were at minimum 30 degrees to the ground. He had dropped his knees quite significantly he is taller than Abraham Papali. He is. He dropped his head, and I think there are two separate issues. Yes, I definitely do think that Abraham has to look work on his tackling technique. It's still too high, because if you get it slightly wrong, you end up in these scenarios. I think now that Abraham, people, I know Andy Friend today. He thought he'd get six weeks. I don't think Abraham will get six weeks because they dropped him down from six weeks after number two. I think he does have to learn this. I think he's going to have to tackle from the waist down. If he doesn't, if he attempts to tackle anywhere above the waist, he's going to run into trouble. If the narrative is that all the lessons have to be learned by Abraham Papelihi, then I think that this that's missing that's missing some of the points. Yes, he has to improve his tackling technique. Yes, he is a marked man, and people will be looking for will, referees will be looking out for how he tackles from now on because he clearly now has a history. But that doesn't mean that we don't talk about players with the ball dropping low and it's happening not just to Connacht players, it's happening not just to Irish players, it's happening across the ball, across the world, that the onus is entirely on the tackler 
And it doesn't seem to matter to referees what the tackled player is doing if he gets mm. hit in the head. And that, I think, is a, I think that's, going to, that's, that's deeply problematic. Let's talk I mean, about our, our new signing. Our new signing who looks like he's a player who does something similar to Abraham and his <laughs> capabilities of running through people and smashing them. But he, he, he's a 31-year-old Tongan internationals, international player. He's been playing in France for quite a number of years and he, he appears to be the business and is a big, big man. I think it's a very interesting signing on a number of levels. Everything you said there is correct. So he's capped, he's played in World Cups, he's played in, he's played in top 14. He's very, very different from what we've been signing over the last few years. He's not Irish, he's not an Australian back. He is, to a certain degree, ready-made. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he fits in with the, the, the Connacht way that uh, Andy Friend has us playing now. What is he like around the pitch in terms of of getting around? But everything you've seen so everything I've seen so far would make you optimistic that he can get around and he can bring that oomph. And perhaps more importantly, and a very subtle thing is he's durable. I mean, sixty five games over four seasons for a lock in France—that's pretty impressive. Yeah, um, and and he stays on the field for most of the time. If you go back and look through the, the minutes played, he plays an awful lot of minutes too, and he he keeps going. And sorry, we we didn't actually. Give him his name is Leva Fafita. Um, yeah, so he's he looks like a really good signing. But, but William, is there an issue in the fact that he's now our fourth NIQ player? Are we going to struggle to field them on the yeah, field? Yeah, that, no? that, that, that that is a challenge. Um, they were allowed to sign an NIQ player. I mean, that 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 point was made that they were looking for one. Uh, it's something they just have to balance out. Uh, you're only allowed to select two in your starting 15. Uh, and I think they will want to get him on the park as often as they can. He seems to be a, somebody that can play a lot of rugby. And they need a big, hard unit in there. All of the other second rows are slightly different to what Quinn Rue was. I think this is as close as they can get or afford to get a similar type of player. Uh, but I'm looking forward to seeing him. I think the fact that he arrives with a pedigree is interesting, that he doesn't have to be uh, taught out to tackle, dare I say, but he's actually ready to go. And it, it is more backup. There's some, in, I mean, we've got some young second rows, Niall Murray, uh, Kean Prendergast. We haven't seen the best of Oshin Dowling yet. Alton Delans had one of his best seasons for a long time. So it's a competitive old spot in the second row, and you do... Oh, William, and Gavin, can I, and, William, can and Gavin, I make an argument with you there? I don't think they see Keane Prendergast as a second row. I, I genuinely don't think that. I think they see him as a six. He does play... I mean, he, he's all his Eagles games have been in the second row, but he has never... I think they look at him as a, as a six, six, possibly an eight, but definitely not as a second row. Well, I think Paul Boyle would have something to say about him being an eight. Uh, a six is a po- a six is a possibility, but uh, it's it's a place where a lot of injuries get handed out in the second row, and it tends to seems to go in cycles. We had a stage last season, if I can, this year, but last season when we barely had a second row fit to play. They yeah, do Owen pick Owen up Masterson a lot of played four or five in a row. You know, yeah, so. 
you, you've got that situation. But it all adds to the mix, and that's what they need. They need competition for places. There's a lot, going to be less games next season by the looks of it. They could be playing five less matches a season now. So getting on the park, will a lot is going to depend on how you're going in training. It's going to be very competitive. If they only play an 18-game Pro 16 season and four games in Europe, obviously if you get to the playoffs, there's more games to be played. But that's that's a significant drop from, it should have been a 27-game season this year. Uh, that would have been 21 in the Pro 14 and six in Europe. COVID put pay to that. And that looks to be the way they're going, although that could change because they we don't really know. But it's going to be competitive if there's less games because the rotation then is it's it's tougher if you're the guy putting your hand up for selection. It most certainly is, and, and hopefully less is more, and that we get higher quality games. Um, okay, so that's that's good stuff. And of course, he's um, it's not as though he's coming here completely unknown because. Um, our new forwards coach knows all about him because he would have been a major part in him arriving. So that's that's uh, that's fascinating too. So before we start talking about the Ospreys, um, we did get a an injury update today and some some pretty good news um, in that Tom Farrell is available, or he's certainly back training. Whether he's available is another matter. But Tom Farrell and and Jordan Duggan were the two names that seemed to pop out. Um, maybe he won't play, but at least they're back training, which is good news. Well, I think they'll be hoping that Jordan Duggan plays. Yeah, that's exactly uh, what I was going to say. Um, and I, 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 I think I think he probably will. Um, it's a pretty long list of people. There's, there's some people on it that are, you know, it's they've been on it for a very long. And Tom Farrell is good news. We haven't discussed the fact that Dennis Buckley was badly injured in that game uh, by an illegal. Um, Okay, uh, you, was was it illegal? Because I yes, just looked like it was. Yeah, and again, I'm back to certain things. I I, I just was very um, I was just was very strange. I just thought it was a very strange, you know, 32 seconds in. But I mean, we need Jordan Duncan back because you we had four different loose loose heads in scrums in that game, and it just seemed to get progressively worse. So well, actually, we we actually only had three because Dennis didn't manage to get into a scrum because he wasn't on the oh, field long true. enough to get into a scrum. But the other three, we did <laughs> have three other players. Yeah. yeah. The thing about that was, well, Connick didn't play the uh, let's go to uh, uncontested scrums, which they could have done. Hmm. Um, but that needed looking at because you you look at the slow mo of it. He's off his feet. He's from the side. He's smashing. World Rugby has talked repeatedly about protecting the jackler. He didn't get protected. And I suppose 32 seconds, I think it'll be gone. But that was another option for the captain's challenge to say, can we have a look at that? Something has happened there. But 32 seconds in the game is barely happening. Um, But it's pretty serious for Dennis Buckley. We hope the news when he has the scan and talks, he's meeting a surgeon this week will be good. I suspect it's going to be a difficult outcome for him, but there are different versions of of a knee injury. Let's hope he's at the scale where it can be fixed quickly and get back to um, yeah, get back to whatever version of his version of preseason is. Exactly. Best of luck to Dennis in in that recovery, and let's hope we see him sooner rather than later. Okay, so let's let's talk Ospreys. Dave, you're our Welsh team expert. Well, I think. Well, no, I'll, I'll, actually, I'll throw you some. I'll throw something at you, Dave. I'll give you a question. Okay, okay. Rather, rather than go that way. 
Okay. We have played 19 games, final games of the season since 2001, 2002, when the Pro 14, Pro 12 Celtic League started. Connacht have won four of those games. We tend not to A lot of them have been away. No, no, not not that many of them have been away, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) But funnily enough, two of the wins were against Leinster. Um, Or if you don't take the final, two of the wins were against Glasgow and Leinster. And the only other win was in 2006 against the Ospreys. So although we don't do particularly well in the last game of the season, we have a record of beating these guys at the end of the season. But I'm not sure it's going to happen this weekend as they have something to play for and we don't. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. I mean, you're, you're worried that personal pride, personal agendas might come into it, that guys will be playing for, you know, Ireland places and may drift away from the team. But I mean, I think you have to, as a collective, they have to look at last weekend as a complete disaster. Um, they're coming up against a team that they've been really interesting. I mean, I, you know, they've, they've played three Welsh derbies. That I think the big thing in our favour for this game is that they didn't play last weekend so they're actually coming off a break and I don't know how they're going to approach it they've been mixing and matching the last game against the Dragons they had Tipperich and Alan and Jones but they're a couple of young lads and their bench was quite young so they've been mixing and matching but they've been able to get those wins um, what was very interesting in the last game was they got absolutely pummeled out wide they got pummeled out all three of their tries of the Dragons tries were, were run-ins from, from wingers now uh, Jonah Holmes is a big lad, but he's not hugely different in size from from Alex Wooten and and, and um, Pete Sullivan as well. So power there. But the one thing they did do in response to that was stupid yellow card given away by the Dragons is what they do, and they uh, they scored seventeen points. And we saw that what they could do is when they turn on their power game, we really struggled the last mm-hmm. time they were here. I mean, they absolutely battered us in the power game, and that thing did have difference. We didn't have Alan Wynn. Now, again, I think they may mix and match again. They'll get some very experienced names and have some kids, but it may not be the same guys. So, you know, they have flaws. They're, they're, if we can match, we, we have to keep our discipline. Our discipline has been hugely problematic the last few weeks. But, again, it's, it's, it's just how, how are we going to approach this? Is this a, the lads want to be on the beach or is this a game where you're going to go, we'll go out and give, finish the season on a high? And we won't know that till the game starts. We won't. We won't. And of course, you know, at this stage of the season, they can't get onto the beach unless it's a beach in Ireland. And then looking at the forecast, I'm not sure there's too many beaches in Ireland that you'd want to be on at the moment. Um, the, the, it looks like it could be showery with a, a southerly wind, 24 kilometres an hour. So it could be a bit of a, a wet, mucky occasion in the sports ground for the last day of the season, William. But, you know, this is this is a unique scenario on that this is the third time we've previewed a home game against the Ospreys in the same season <laughs> when one game got called off the other game we didn't do all that well in and are we going to make a third time lucky and get a get a home win that we we need just from a point of view of showing that we can win at home without a crowd I think Andy Friend will um, demand a performance it's pretty obvious he's, he's very angry he was very blunt in his assessment of Abraham Papalili today and the rest of the performance. I think he's fed up with people like me asking him, the only thing consistent about you is your inconsistency. And they're baffled by it. And it, it's, it's, it's something they haven't come to terms with. They, they, they've talked about it. They've obviously gone through loads of scenarios as to why it happens. But they don't want to finish up with this five-game stretch of matches where they've 
gone away and won in Belfast, won in Limerick, and essentially failed to turn up at home to Leinster, being very poor in uh, Treviso. And now the sort of Welsh side that if they turn it on, they they were very impressive when they were here. They, they beat Connacht, as, as Dave says, up front, but then they, their backs caused a lot of problems. They ask a lot of questions defensively. You have to get your spacings and your positions right. So I'd be fascinated to see the team he picks uh, and he will want a performance. He won't want uh, the end of the season to just drift away. But for the Ospreys, it's very simple. Get five points against Connacht and that sets up your game at home to Benetton. Now, Benetton have to win that game to get into the final so, you you know, Munster, I think, will get five points against Zebri in Italy. So they can get to 20. Uh, uh, Glasgow can get to 20 if they beat Leinster in Dublin on Friday night. I'm not sure that's going to happen. So they're going to know where they are. And if the Ospreys really fancy this final, it, and that's maybe a big if, uh, fly into Italy to play a South African team in June. Not sure. But mm. they might they might have galvanized themselves for this and they go, right, let's get five points in Galway. I think they'll come to play. They've nothing to they, both sides in some ways have nothing to lose. Uh Connacht have nothing to play for, but the Ospreys really know that four points isn't going to get it done either. So it yeah, it's fast it's fascinating, and I hope it's a good end of season game. There's a few guys looking to get into the Welsh team. They've got internationals uh coming up in July. Would Alan Wynne Jones turn up? No, that would be something else, wouldn't it? Does he as he has he been told by the Lions, listen, we need to see you on the park. You haven't played a lot of rugby recently. Mm-hmm. That would be some coup to have uh him in position in the sports ground on a Friday evening, even if he only toddles off the bench to do twenty minutes. Um I can so imagine a- Gatlin's face if Bundy tackles Alan Wynne. <laughs> <laughs> <Just see. laughs> Well, yeah. I, I, I'll tell you something. Bundy said today, Dave. He, he's 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 just play, he, he can't go out and not be Bundy. He won't. He has, if he goes out and well, tries to protect himself, he get injured. The, the late hit penalty last week was typical Bundy. It was over enthusiastic. Yep, and that's he, he that, can't. He can't no, I'd, he I'd call that just stupid. But anyway, <laughs> well, he, Bundy, yeah, that's true. Bundy can't do less than hundred percent, and Alan Wynn is a, the smart, smartest cookie going. So yeah, be great. great the interesting thing is, would he prefer to play uh, Connacht in Galway or would he prefer to toddle out at, at, at Liberty Stadium with a bunch of fired up Italians? Um, so so this, this competition in its own way has got to an interesting end. Obviously, mm. there's a lot of teams with nothing to play for. Mm. Uh, Ulster last weekend had the COVID issue. I see there's another one in the English Premiership now. So that's starting to raise its head again. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's is it Gloucester and Bath. Are, Gloucester, are yeah, Gloucester's gone. So it's coming back. Uh, for, we thought that that was gone. Uh, Ulster are putting out a side against Edinburgh, which I suspect some of the players <laughs> actually play for Ulster. <laughs> they might be. So it's it, it's a funny end to a funny season. It's just been the strangest whole since we started back in August at the Aviva. It just every week has brought something new and weird. 
But, it uh, certainly let, has. And of course, let, let, when, when you say that, when you started in Viva, that was actually last season. But <laughs> Well, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I can't treat it that way. But I'm supposed yeah, to. And that's, that's, that's the funniest thing about it is the August games yeah. are last season. Yes. So, I mean, that just sums it up. Yeah, it does. It just sums it up. Okay, so are we going to finish with a win, Dave? Yeah, because these, I think we will, but it'll be a stupid, it'll be some, I guarantee it'll be a basketball score. It'll be ridiculous. And okay. I think we'll just come out on top. William, do you concur? No, I'm going to go the other way. I think it could be a basketball score, but I have a feeling the Ospreys might, because they just have that little bit more to play for, and Connacht might pick a few players that they want to get a look at. Um because maybe some of them from last week need to uh, have their minds concentrated a little bit. I just hope it's a good game and a good finish. I remember Gavin Henson winning a game for the Ospreys there at an end of season a long time ago. He was the only player on the field who took it really seriously. He ran in two tries. and It was a phenomenal one-man in 30 performance on a Sunday evening. Thanks to William. Thanks to Dave. Um, as we approach... Connacht's last game of the season as the Rainbow Cup still has another round to go after this one due to the joys of COVID and what it's been doing to the rugby season. Um, So thanks to the lads. And here's William with the roundup of last week's results, the upcoming fixtures and the table as it stands as we come into almost the last round of the Rainbow Cup. We'll be back with an end of season review in the next week or so. Um, So stick with us and um, we have a lot to talk about. Thanks, folks. Friday, May the 28th, Munster 31, Cardiff Blues 27. Saturday, May the 29th, Ulster versus the Scarlets was cancelled. Will not be replayed. The match has been declared a nil-nil draw, but four points have been awarded to the Scarlets as the COVID issue was with Ulster. Benetton 20, Connacht 12, Dragons 16, Glasgow Warriors 27. Four teams remain in contention for the final. In first place, Benetton have played 4-1-4 and with two bonus points have 18 points. They have one game remaining. Munster have played 4-1-3, lost one. Three bonus points have 15 points. Glasgow Warriors have the same record with 15 points and the Ospreys have played 3-1-2 and lost one with 10 points. Benetton, with a win over the Ospreys in their final game, can get to 23 with a bonus point. Munster, Glasgow Warriors and the Ospreys can all get to 20 if they win their remaining games. And now the fixtures for next weekend. On Friday the 4th of June, Connacht play the Ospreys, kick-off time, 6pm. And at 8.15pm, Glasgow Warriors versus Leinster. On Saturday, the 5th of June, Edinburgh play Ulster at 3pm and Cardiff Blues versus Zebra 7.35pm. Loose, cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes. Sad and confused. Don't wait until 